Bulldog. Yeah, uh, do, you, do you have any Charles Bronson records? Anywho. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Ron and Matt Must Listen. Uh, my name's Matt, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Ron. How are you doing today, Ron? Doing well, Matt. How are you, man? I'm I'm barely holding together. I don't <laughs> I don't know what's going on with me, but it, it'll be okay. Um, so before we get into things, I just have a quick correction to make from our first episode. Our guest on the first episode made a graven mistake in speaking about the Canadian label Spectrosonic Sound, claiming they were from Halifax. When in fact, Ottawa, th- these kind of grave errors cannot go without correction. Okay, I, it was me. I screwed up. But um, being, I will say this, being from Syracuse, New York, I, I know what it's like when your scene gets mixed up with another scene, and thems can be fighting words. So I just wanted to correct that real quick. Um, so with that BS kind of out of the way, uh, this is our second episode of the podcast. Thanks for uh, tuning in. This week, we're actually going to be covering an album that Ron picked. So uh, Ron, do you want to tell us what album you picked this week? Sure, sure. So I picked Charles Bronson's Youth Attack album. All right. So I did a little bit of research. I'm not a professional, everyone. But uh, from what I could find, Charles Bronson were a hardcore or I don't know, probably a better descriptor power violence band from Illinois. I wrote the <laughs> I wrote the town name down, but I'm like, do I pronounce this? DeKalb? DeKalb. DeKalb. DeKalb, Illinois. <laughs> DeKalb. Um, so they're from DeKalb, Illinois. They were active between the years of 94 to 97. They put out numerous splits, but I think this is their only full length. Is that correct? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there was like a, a solo, like seven inch that had a ton of songs on it that could be considered a full length too. But I would say, you know, this is the this is the longest project. <laughs> But like I said, the releases so extremely long 12 and a half minutes. <laughs> I'm glad to hear this album because yeah. to the listener, this is not normally the kind of stuff I listen to. So I'm I'm gonna thank you for bringing it to the table. Um, I'm I'm interested, Ron, when you find this album, so when you find you know Youth Attack by Charles Bronson, where were you like musically? at that point if that makes sense like what were you yeah, listening no. to it does it does make sense so there's there's a good backstory from the history of how i kind of find hardcore in general so growing up i grew up in no man's land there weren't really like record stores and things of that nature real close i was into like alt rock sonic youth pixies weezer smashing mm-hmm. pumpkins till i was probably i don't know like maybe 15 16 my stepdad kind of became an influence and he was really into metal so he was really into <laughs> bands like pantera and slayer nice. and um yeah it's kind of funny so he kind of introduces me to that so i start like getting into like weird metal bands um even some of the new metal stuff i was a big fan of bands like coal chamber and um i've never heard them but i was i was there with you probably because i was i was a new metal kid as well sorry listeners yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah you got two people on that on that tip I saw I saw Limp Biscuit, all right. So man, yeah. I'm jealous of that. I actually Don't never be. I never saw like as much as that was my thing I was into, I actually never saw any of the big three, <laughs> which for me were, you know, corn, deftones, and limp biscuit. 
Well, um, to disappoint you further, I have seen Deftones twice. So I, it's it's okay. I am I allowed to White ask Pony. you? Oh, that was you White were Pony. answering. Was I was my, like, when <laughs> was my that was my second time. My first time was they opened for Pantera and White Zombie when Adrenaline had just come out. Dude, that's so awesome. Those are the two times I saw them. <laughs> those are both really good times. I don't think they I really ever, were. I don't know. I'm from Syracuse. If anyone didn't listen to the first episode, I'm from Syracuse, New York. And, um, you know, we have a d- decent enough underground hardcore scene, but um, a lot of big bands don't want to come here. Uh, they might go to Rochester or Buffalo or Albany, but not usually here. And I don't know if Deftones even back, I think they must have played somewhere near, but I never saw them. Uh, the last time I was even going to see them, I don't even know what album they were touring on, but they were touring with a newly reformed <laughs> Refused. So, I mean, mm. that sort of dates when that... I was I was excited. It didn't end up panning out, though. But I think that's cool that you saw them in the heyday. It did. It did. I, that was just a fortunate thing because my stepdad was a huge Pantera fan. And they just oh. happened to be the opening band who we did not know who they were. And when they played, they were amazing. Yeah, so I was kind of in that realm. I was kind of in this metal realm. And, uh, you know, still listened to a lot of alt-rock stuff at that point, too. Uh, so I go to work at a music store. I have an individual who I work with who kind of introduces me to Minor Threat, which is kind of where I start listening to hardcore in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would have CDs kind of come in every so often. I remember one of the ones that I purchased was, um, oh, it was Death by Stereo, Day of the Dead, I believe, or something of that nature, and Day of the Death, whatever. And it was uh, something I bought thinking like, oh, this is going to be super cool because it was on Epitaph or whatever. Oh, yeah. And like, I was I was thinking it was going to be this awesome thing. And um, yeah, I didn't love it when I got it home. <laughs> And uh, I didn't, I didn't hate it, but I just didn't love it. And the so, name was was putting something else up front. Really, <laughs> the name really threw me. But so from that point, the store that I'm working at starts having shows. Um, like That's mostly, cool. yeah, it was very cool. It was very cool. I actually would work the door probably one night, whichever night was the was the bands weren't going to be like rowdy. Like if it was more of like an indie kind of crowd, like, uh, you know, folky or, you know, yeah. stuff of that nature, acoustic stuff. I usually worked the door. And then if it was going to be chaotic, they usually had me be the bouncer. Uh, I did on multiple occasions have to throw kids out. <laughs> and they were only a year younger than me. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was interesting and awkward at the same time. But we did have some interesting bands play. Uh, you know, at one point in time, we had... Uh, this day forward played there. We had from Autumn to Ashes play. Oh, wow. Coheed and Cambria played during mm. this, the tour for Second Stage Turbine Blade. Kind of like a myriad of bands, but this is kind of later on that that all takes place. So at the beginning, it's mostly locals. An occasional band from out of town would play. Mm-hmm. So this band called Vincent Price's Orphan Powered Death Machine <laughs> is playing. And one of the opening bands, who was a local band that kind of would change their name every so many weeks to something different. It was always kind of like funny stuff. Uh, At one point, I'm pretty sure they called themselves Chuck Norris, but (laughs) I could be wrong. Um, I could be remembering that wrong. But essentially, before this show, I I decided I was off that evening and I decided I was going to stay for the show because I really liked the name. Vincent Price's Orphan Powered Death Machine. Mm-hmm. But the opening band who was local had on the flyer that they were handing out hardcore in the vein of Charles Bronson. 
Okay. So that's how I hear the name, right? That's that's my introduction to the name. And at first I thought it was just like them goofing. Like yeah. I didn't think there was a band named Charles Bronson. I just thought it was a goof. And so I knew the singer a little bit and I was talking to him and he was like, no man, like they're awesome. You should check them out. And so I leave from the show, which I had an amazing time. It was really my first hardcore show ever. And it was so much fun and way more fun to not be working <laughs> and yeah, actually yeah. being able to kind of like be there and, and goof off and, and have a good time. So I go home and immediately, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to find this Charles Bronson band. I like the, I like the, the name. I think it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And so I get on audio galaxy Yes. and I search Charles Bronson. And, you know, for like two and a half hours, it's just clips from Charles. Bronson <laughs> <movies>. <laughs> oh, so <like> it's just <laughs> from Death Wish, like shooting people. <laughs> it's just, it's just like him, like quotes of him saying shit in a movie. So, you know, it's kind of funny and at the same time frustrating. So, oh, yeah. you know, like maybe a day or two goes by and I'm like, all right, I'm going to try this again. And so I come across Charles Bronson and it's this dude who has a folder that was marked power violence fast core thrash core and weirdo hardcore weirdo hardcore that's my yes this particular individual whomever he was was loaded with shit that just kind of comes from this finding this this particular record so i'm kind of searching i see the charles bronson and i see that there's like oh there's a split with this band called spaz so i download that first and I'm like, oh, this is super interesting. Like, this is super cool. It's like so fast and unlike kind of anything I've heard. Mm-hmm. And so then I'm like, Youth Attack sounds like it would be fun. So I download it. And you can tell that the quality of these are from vinyl. You can tell that somebody ripped oh, this yeah. to their computer from vinyl. It sounds like way in the background. So it's not coming across very clearly. And I, at this point, I'm just collecting vinyl and not aware that there's like little punk stores you know close by that i probably could have went and found something like this mm-hmm. back in the day and paid a ton less money than what i did <laughs> when I totally didn't get it however um i listened to it and i remember the, the very first reaction i had when, when i put it on was there's an intro and it was the first time that i remember laughing out loud at a cd that wasn't meant to be common yeah so this intro kind of comes in and it's like, uh, you know, we're going to go in like professionals, like Charles Bronson. We don't stop till the screaming starts. And then immediately Mark McCoy starts screaming. Yeah. And it just, the humor of that amused me to a level that like, I was just drawn in immediately. And it was just constantly me being like, wow, this is pummelingly fast. And it felt like it was over as soon as you would blink. It's one of the fastest CDs I've ever heard. And what I love about it is it's not a typical hardcore record. Like you're not getting a Bane record with this. You know, you're not getting, you know, even even like a Modern Life is War record. This record is short, punchy songs. Sometimes, you know, funny moments where there's like little, you know, for lack of a better way, skits yeah, in it. Skits. Um, yeah, we'll just go with skits, you know. So there's these moments that just kind of were like humorous and it was fast and it was intense. And I immediately just loved it. Like it was something that just really drew me in. And more than anything, I think that Mark McCoy's vocals really prepared me for what I started to love later. And that's one of the things that I really owe, I think, to Charles Bronson more than anything 
is not just the the elements of how fast and chaotic and thrashy and at moments funny Mm -hmm. but also i loved his vocals and i enjoyed everything he's done uh he's an amazing artist if people aren't familiar i'm sure most people are but he's done work for like full of hell but i mean he's done just a ton of artwork for people and it's always super cool and interesting and he just he is just somebody that i admire from afar because of all the projects that he's been in mm-hmm. you know he was in this band called failures he w- he was in a band called dasso he's been in just a million projects and everything that he does is is excellent so the opening to this for me is that it kind of brings me into a whole new realm of hardcore, if you will. Well, yeah. So it just is eye-opening at the beginning, particularly because even Minor Threat, it was the complete discography that somebody had given me. And while I love that and still, you know, like Minor Threat and most of what Ian MacKay has done, you know, particularly Fugazi and Embrace, Mm -hmm. I just... I just wasn't expecting what came from this. So the sound for anybody who's kind of listening, the sound of it is, you know, short chaotic bursts and then basically no space in the next song. And it's just that way, kind of the whole way through. Later on, they put out what they called the complete disco crappy, which is basically all of their songs that they ever did. And it was nice because then you could hear the recordings a lot better. Well, yeah, it gives you a little bit better of an idea. I mean, it's not something that the recording had to be great for, by the way. Anybody who's listening who hasn't heard this, you don't need to expect that this is going to be, you know, a production heavy record. <laughs> <This> <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is definitely could have been recorded in a garage on a four track and still held as much weight with me as it does in its form at this point. So, yeah, I mean, to answer the question, I was in a way different place, and this was kind of a whole new experience for me. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, also coming from hardcore. I mean, right. I, I, having heard this, you and I are, you know, we've been friends, you know, a, a little over a year. I know already that you do like a lot of power violence, emo violence, what basically the fast stuff, you know, and I'm, I've obviously become familiar, but I feel like my, <laughs> my um, lead in to the genre, if you will, was a much more like gradual step up to it. Because to basically back kind of what you're saying, to go from this, and I I don't want to dissuade, obviously, any listener who say maybe maybe your hardcore repertoire or whatever is minor threat or bad brains or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there there's a, a very distinct difference if you're going from that and then your next step is this. For me, it was probably like some screamo bands where they start incorporating like blast beaty kind of things. And then you get to emo violence, which is, you know, what, you know, genres. Hello. Um, there's a lot of different genres out there. Yeah, I, I can't really imagine not working your way up to it. But I think it's like really impressive that something that I would consider very brash I mean, not, sure. you know, whatever, hardcore is brash anyway, but because, you know, you're dealing with basically like this album is, you know, minus the skits, is basically short bursts of energy, just one after sure. the other. Um, and it's a, there's a lot of chaos within yes. it too. 
So you're not talking about something that when you listen to it, you're getting a break to catch your breath. I mean, it's literally just kind of like opens boot on the throat and then ends, they lift their foot. Like it's not something that is going to be for everybody. And it's one of the reasons that I love the record too, is because I like that it's somewhat of an alienating thing. I think to find it when I did, they were not a band anymore, which is very upsetting. Um, But Mm -hmm. they were not a band when I found this. Uh, I was about a year and a half late, I think, um, when I found it. So, you know, uh, they weren't a band. I didn't have the opportunity to see them, but I don't think it's hard to imagine how chaotic and possibly hilarious and maybe even, you know, violent the shows could get. (laughs) Because I could definitely see some people, particularly hardcore bands who took themselves incredibly seriously. Oh, yeah. Not being satisfied with the way this band puts out what they put out. So the energy that they throw is going to be incredibly different from another hardcore band that's kind of running the mill, opening up for a different band. So obviously it's interesting to take into you know, consideration how these guys sound by comparison to other individuals. Yeah, I will say in not researching, but you know, when you shared your pick with me, hopefully this doesn't upset the listener if you plan to listen to this podcast as it goes on and actually listen to the albums which is what we'd like you to do this is one you are actually gonna have to search out outside of Bandcamp, outside of spotify i really doubt it's on apple music i don't have an iphone but i can't imagine it's definitely not but it is on youtube and so where i'm going with this is trying to find the album because I listen, I don't actually know how many times I listened to this album before <laughs> us recording, because I think it's only a little over 12 minutes. Am I, am I off on that? Yeah, I think it's about, I think it's like 12 minutes and like maybe tw- 57 seconds or something. It's not, it's not very long. Yeah. So it's like 20, it's is it 20 songs in 12 minutes? Yeah. It's like, it's about, I believe it's 18 of their own songs and two covers okay. in, you know, roughly like 12 and a half minutes, we'll say. Now, where I was going with this, though, is you can listen to this album on YouTube, which is how you, you know, initially shared it to me. Spoiler alert, I did download it to make it a little easier on myself to listen to it, especially just because the tracks are so short. If you want to listen to an album and go, oh, I like that song. And if you don't look at the YouTube video quick enough, you're maybe on to the next one. So I, uh, I did download it. I will say, though, in searching for the album to listen to it, you know, fifth, sixth time, whatever time it was, I did find a live video of them playing the song Youth Attack. I don't know if you know the one I'm talking about, but in the very... I am pretty sure I'm aware of it. But in the very beginning, and I thought this was nice because I don't know Charles Bronson as people. I don't know any of the members. But if you're playing a genre that has been called power violence, um, and th- that's what I mean. I don't know if as a band they're like, yeah, we're a power violence band. Because usually bands that play the offshoots of a baser genre tend to just call themselves the baser genre. Yeah, we're punk. Yeah, we're hardcore. Right. Um, so I don't know if they bought into that. But I liked watching the video that I think it was the singer was like, hey, audience be careful my mom's in the front of this show and i was like oh that you know what that is i like that there's a respect there and people were respectful i i enjoyed that quick little sidebar but still still on point and uh that song youth attack is great one thing i really like about it is there's a trickery to it where initially it has the most promise of just 
I, I don't want to say cookie cutter, but it's it's the most to me immediately recognizable hardcore song, if that makes sense. The vibes that it initially puts out with that initial riff and what the drums are doing, it's like, oh, okay, I, I get this. But then immediately, <laughs> there's only a second of that before it goes into, you know, I don't know if the term spazzy is the correct term, but being, hey, they were doing splits with a band called Spaz playing sort of similar music. I'm going to use it. Um, it goes into a spazzy part. And then the chorus, though, is kind of back around to more of a sort of, sure. I don't know, like sort of a classic hardcore vibe. Well, there's before. definitely moments. There's definitely moments in which you can tell that there's some, you know, I don't want to say worship of hardcore bands, but there's definitely some reverence for hardcore within the record. But on the whole, I find it interesting because it kind of takes just as much from a thrashy background, like kind of like uh, the thrashy skate punk bands yeah. uh, vibe. And then it also brings into it, you know, the elements of bands like Infest and, you know, even Spaz being, you know, kind of their contemporary. But like those kind of bands seem to have had an influence on them. And then there's these moments for sure where there's a little bit of like just a straightforward hardcore part but yeah. it's not all the time it doesn't consume the record so i think that's a that's a pretty fair warning to anybody going in if you're anticipating getting something that's more of a straightforward like black flag crow mags-esque vibe you're gonna be really disappointed <laughs> by yeah. this listen i mean because there's... it has none of that you're gonna hear a part that's going to make that's going to bring those bands to mind and then it's going to be over and then actually probably the song's going to be over shortly after right. that so you know it's just i i'm glad you brought that up but i i still i think it is worth listening if you haven't heard it which i hadn't listeners i hadn't heard of this so i'm i'm glad to hear it yeah i mean for me it, it was more or less bringing to the forefront a band that i felt like kind of is i mean for me personally they're kind of uh like a gateway to a bunch of other things that yeah, come that was, for me later i was gonna ask you that you know obviously you hear them um you hear that split you know it's clearly like a you know uh an lp rip um and everything like that but like how did it affect you after hearing that was this a thing where it was like you just ate up all charles bronson or was it like whoa this is like a genre i want to find whatever i can that might also be sort of similar to this sure i mean it's it's kind of it's kind of a weird a weird thing so it's not just all charles bronson it, it, that record in particular is is one that i really really loved so it was something that stuck with me and still mm -hmm. sticks with me. I mean, I listen to it. I've told you this. I've li I listen to it a lot of times. It's my go-to on my drive to work. Uh, as weird as it sounds, it's a slightly motivating record for me because it gives me an opportunity to kind of chuckle and also have like a little aggression and then, you know, pull in and, and go to work. So, <laughs> you know, I enjoy I enjoyed it for, for those reasons too. And it's one of the reasons I picked it is because of the longevity in which it, it's held for me. It's a record that I listen to fairly regularly, like I said, at least a couple times a week, in all honesty. Yeah. So how it how it kind of comes about is I'm listening to that record for at the time I would get I would kind of get fixated on a specific record and less yeah. about like seeking out maybe so much. Mm -hmm. So what happened was after listening to that for a couple of weeks, 
I decided to kind of dig into this individual that I got it from. I saved him. I don't know if you remember this from Audio Galaxy, but you could save users. Yes. And so I saved oh, the yeah. user. I went back and looked his stuff up again. And every time he was on, I would just download anything that sounded outrageous to me. So without this record, I would have never found bands like Rorschach. I would have never found bands like Heroin, um, Current. I mean, there was a bunch of stuff that this dude had in the weirdo category, if you will, that were kind of like thrown in there. But also, you know, I wouldn't have heard Infest because I had no idea who Infest was. And even more to the point like of, of like how that kind of spreads out. So by finding those bands, then it was like, oh, well, this person had this in this folder. So I would look into. So it became like just a rabbit hole of everything that I kind of liked from there. So it really, really was one of the major points in my life of finding something and then spreading that out and kind of going further and further and further and branching off into way different directions. Yeah. Um, It didn't hurt that, you know, I worked at a music store, so things would come in as well. Uh, I was also very into liner notes. I would read all the thank yous in the liner notes which I don't think is uh, is a big deal these days because so many, I don't know. I don't even know because in all honesty, I don't look at them anymore. So to be fair, you know, I'm guilty of of not looking at it the way that I used to. I'm trying to find. I got that Louis Louis Cypher discography finally came in the mail for anyone out there who knows of that band. But uh, Zagama Beach, I believe, put that out. I, I don't know if you know the story was held up. I think the box was lost. Like, I just remember looking yes. at uh, Zagama's Instagram and him being like, hey, USPS is basically like, we don't fucking know. It randomly showed up. I had no clue. But in line with that, that came with a huge, I don't even want to say liner notes, like a booklet. I feel bad because sort of like yourself, as I've gotten older, if even if it's a single sheet, I might look at it and go, oh, okay, that's cool. But like, when it's like something like that, I'm like, oh, shit, like, almost like, do I have the mental capacity to digest what this is going to give to me? And I'm like, I'm just going to listen to the music right now. I'll check back on that. And then a lot of times the checking back doesn't happen. I'm sorry. But thank you to all the labels that do wonderful things like that. No, I, and but the whole thing is it's it's just not something that is necessary the way mm-hmm. it used to be because you have a million different directions you can go. And I think that's something to consider about finding this record too. This wasn't something where the internet had been around for 15 years. Yeah. And it was, everybody was, was like, oh no, this was like right after like Napster had like kind of, I don't want to say fizzled out, but there was a lot of lawsuits going on whenever I, you know, yep like around the time or shortly after, you know, or shortly before I found this. So this wasn't something that, you know, that was an easy find. And and it wasn't something that I was anticipating anything from. I didn't know if it was going to be this completely awesome moment like it was, or if it was going to kind of be a dud where I listen to it and I go, oh, you know what? This wasn't really worth it. Yeah, like this wasn't, this wasn't for me, which I think all of us, from i don't want to say within a certain generation but sort of like who came up what with those file sharing systems like as they were growing we especially i don't want to say especially audio galaxy but 
I think we all experienced those things where you would find that folder that had the thing that you were looking for. And if it's something, especially like with this, where you say, I've spent so long finding fucking audio clips <laughs> of the yes. actor just talking that when you find yes. the thing, you're so excited. It's like, well, I want to see, I want to see what else this person has going on. And it I think what was to... exciting was that it wasn't, it wasn't what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my go in uh, initially was like, I think many people who probably aren't familiar with the record and they just know the name and they kind of associate it. Now, I mean, obviously now it's much more associated with things like spaz and infest and and things in the power violence genre and even in the kind of like you know blasty grindy moments that are in within it you know chaotic moments within within the short frames of songs but i think what my anticipation was was i was going to go in and it was going to be a band i don't want to say that i thought would be like into minor threat mm-hmm. but i definitely had vibes like oh this is probably going to be like kind of in that vein of like hardcore like more of like a punky end of hardcore yeah, And I did not expect the thrashy kind of chaotic violence that just goes through it really, really quickly. And it's immediate. It's, mm-hmm. it's an immediate reaction, it, it, you know. And so for me, it was a lot of surprise, too, because I didn't know what to expect. You know, it's kind of like reaching into, you know, when you're a kid and you go to like, you know, like a school Christmas party and everybody's going to bring in like a trinket. There's that one trinket, you know, you want, and then you pick that number and you're like, fuck yeah, I knew I was going to get that stupid, you know, paddle ball game. (laughs) So like, it was that same level of like surprise and excitement and kind of, you know, it was very fulfilling to find something too that wasn't just handed to me, I think. And that was what was different with a lot of the early stuff that I was listening to. It was kind of like the people around me and the individuals who I worked with would kind of be like, hey, check this out. I think you'd like this. You know, it's how, it's how I was introduced to the Smiths, by the way, and oh, Bell really? and Sebastian. Yes. Oh, wow. Those are in uh, very different bands from this band. I, I have Slight, to think the majority. Slightly, of... They're slightly different. <laughs> I was going to say, I have to think the majority, you know, from what we're describing of this <laughs> album, we, we know you're not hearing it right now, but you have to know there's there's a difference between uh, this charming man it's mild. and... <laughs> And marriage can suck it. Oh my um, god. Yeah. there's a mild difference it's not it's not massive but i think draw parallels um (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's no parallels but at the same time you know it was the first thing that i kind of came across on my own that really made me feel like i was bringing something to the table too so like i remember bringing it in and the individual who was like really cool with minor threat kind of stuff and was like oh man i was like listen i'm gonna burn you this this is so good and I remember burning it to a disc for him and handing it to him. And I remember him coming in the next day and being like, that was just the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and I was like, you got to be kidding. And like, we had this major debate over, I mean, firstly, because it goes back to the seriousness of things, right? Mm-hmm. So 
I mean, you know, we know each other fairly, fairly well, I think, in, in terms of personality. And I think you're fairly well aware of the fact that, like, I don't get upset by much. I think that everything is kind of funny. And I think everything sure. can be fodder for jokes, even if it is offensive at times. I'm not super, you know, opposed to that. And I think in hardcore, there's a very seriousness that people want to hold and a reverence to the idea of being serious about things. Like, you have yeah. to be tough about things all the time. And you have to have this energy. And what I loved about this was it was kind of like, I mean, no. Yeah. <laughs> it was just ultimately like, um, no, you don't. You don't have to. You can, and you can have moments on there. There's definitely moments on there where there's like some like lyrics that I'm sure are incredibly funny. I mean, I've read the lyrics at points in my life, not recently, but I mean, there were parts I remember being like, oh, that was actually like a really cool lyric. I mean, trying to make them out while listening to yeah, it is I didn't go nearly impossible. I'm sorry. Sure. One thing that uh, I'll let the listeners know, and you may have caught this on the uh, the previous episode if you listened, was Ron and I entered into this agreement to do this podcast that we would be equals with how little uh, we did <laughs> for the podcast. Exactly. So as far as research, I wasn't looking up lyric sheets. And honestly, I don't, at how fast of a pace these songs go by. You wouldn't my take them up. Yeah, with my reading comprehension and like words per minute or whatever, I'd be like, wait, where, where was, I'm still on this first sentence. What? Song's <laughs> over? What the hell is going on? Yeah, and that's fair. It's fair. But, uh, you know, so for me, it was just a whole new world that opened up. And then, like I said, kind of exploring the other stuff that was kind of in this individual's, like, wheelhouse. And again, like, the bands that I found were not bands that I was anticipating to find either. Mm -hmm. I mean, Born Against was in that. And, like, I love, I never heard them, but loved it when I heard it, you know um econo christ like there were just a ton of different bands from different genres but i could understand not at the time because i wasn't married to hardcore like a lot of people were you know that 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 kind mm-hmm. of were like you know much more thing. in yeah i mean not even so much that as much as there was like a sound that was specific and that was hardcore yeah so you know the the term kind of like you know power violence or you know weirdo hardcore or whatever it, it wasn't you know it wasn't an issue for me because I didn't know that it was really not what people considered mm-hmm. and and at that point I still think a lot of people did consider it hardcore I think that there was you know I mean there were obviously subgenres that were kind of thrown in there I mean at any generational point right there's yeah. always that moment where there's like but I think for for me at the time like everything was just hardcore it didn't matter like you know that that was hardcore the same way as, you know, like a uh, couple months later, whenever uh, somebody sold Seven Angels, Seven Plagues, Jasmine's Lullaby was hardcore. Like it all, to me, it didn't matter, mm-hmm. you know? So that was the whole thing. And so I didn't come in with a lot of bias either, which I think is what kind of helped me as things went along too, with all music. Because I mean, I don't just listen to power violence and hardcore. I mean, like, I love bands like LCD Sound System, The New Pornographers, Spoon, The Shins, Les Savvy Fave. Like, there's a ton of bands that I really, really love. And then there's, you know, bands that like, I mean, I think are in like another world. Like, I think Parquet Courts is a band that's like just otherworldly good. And so, you know, like, I've had this opportunity, though, to kind of be open minded, because I was never specific to a genre. I didn't have like that like necessity to gravitate toward it. And so for me, it was always a lot more about the vocalist 
and oftentimes yeah. what the vocalist was saying mm-hmm. than it was specific to a genre, if you will. And that's definitely how this went down so well for me because I could totally understand if somebody was like, I love Black Flag and I love Cro-Mags and, and I'm a huge fan of Bad Brains. And then they listen to this and they hate it. Yeah, Like that wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't shock me that it would be something that people don't always love. So it didn't have an effect on my listening, but what it did is it changed me in the way that I found bands and the way that I started to be interested in bands. And without hearing Charles Bronson, I probably wouldn't have liked bands like Orchid and Ampere and Bucket Full of Teeth. Like all of those things kind of branch out. Like this is kind of the key that kind of opens the door for me to all of the other bands that I kind of begin to love. And not all of them, but a majority of them. It kind of is is like, you know, this kind of moment where I'm sitting not expecting anything and it becomes a whole thing that kind of lasts my whole life, you know, to this point. Yeah. We'll say to this point. In my yeah, life. that changes you. For sure. So, you know, in that in that regard, it, it did it did both. I mean, it affected me on a personal level in the sense that it, you know, it's something that I still listen to and love. And it also affected me in the sense of how I listen to music because I found a billion other bands because of it. Yeah. One thing that I will say, and this isn't putting anyone down, but this could be uh, a generalization that I think is fair. You know, there are people who they find the thing they like, and then that is what they like. So in the instance, say, of hardcore, I think there are people who, you know, like we mentioned, oh, you like Black Flag, you like Bad Brains, almost like the... uh, I don't want to say prototypical, but you know what I mean? Sort of like these are the classic kind of hardcore bands and like this is what hardcore sounds like. And as they progress through that genre, they are more likely to listen to bands who are coming out with stuff now that kind of sounds more or less just straight in line with that other stuff because there are, I mean, um, I'm, I'm not super familiar because I guess you could say like yourself branched off from just bass hardcore to more subgenre things that I just personally found interesting. But I know there are bands out there that still play that sort of classic or whatever you yeah. want to call it. A band, um, a band like Rejection Pact who are awesome play that style but it's i'm not saying that it's even something that i dislike because i don't i love a lot of that stuff but again it really goes to the individual who's behind the microphone a lot and the style of vocals that that they perform and it also i think it's easy to kind of get caught up in that world because a lot of it does have very similar sounds when you talk about the classics Mm -hmm. you know like that classic style of hardcore that a lot of the bands sound very similar You know, there's minor differences, but they're not like major differences. And I think that's one of the things that that I found quickly as I was going through bands that like that's something that was stale to me a lot faster Mm -hmm. because I am very, I don't want to say bored (laughs) with stuff, but I mean, that's not an unfair characterization. Bored isn't unfair. It's it's just that it, I don't have the attention span to sit and, and feel like I'm I don't want to say wasting time either, because that's not a fair point. But it, it's just not something that I am willing to sit and go, okay, I am going to commit myself to liking this. I will commit myself to listening to it. Yeah. And I'll commit myself to multiple listens on something, but I won't commit myself to liking it because I listen to it so many times. Yeah. So I don't... There might be a song or, or a part of a song that I really like, 
but that doesn't mean that I like the band and like the, you know, the whole album or things like that. Like for me to like an album, it's the whole album for me. Yeah. yeah I'm not a singles finish. person that way. Right. Yeah. I've never right. been, uh, I've never been that type. I have also, and this might be, I mean, uh, semi-tangent in getting older. One thing I've grown again, I don't want to say against, but I, I don't do is when band, when bands I like that are established, like, okay, I like this band. They're coming out with a new album and they release a song off it. Nope. You, usually that's a big nope for me. I don't want to hear it. I don't, I, I just want to hear the album when it comes out. A recent example of that is the new Closer album that just came out yesterday, Fantastic. actually. It's, it's fucking so good. I've listened to it a bunch of times, Fantastic. but I had not, yeah. that you know, they release things. And I, you know what, I understand that's, I don't know, maybe that's something we have to do now. I, I don't really get it, but you got to, to potentially build hype or get people interested, you know, in your band who maybe haven't heard it before, you know, you release a couple tracks, but I just know for me, if it's a band that it's already established that I like them, I won't listen to those songs because I want to hear that album in full. I don't want to hear. And this is the thing I don't want to hear. And this has happened to me before too, by the way, where I, I have listened to the songs before. Oh, these are fucking great. Then I listen to the album and I go, oh, wait a minute. Like those three songs they released are the majority <laughs> of the songs on the album. And the rest of the songs are like interlude uh instrumental sure. things, which I'm, I'm not shitting on those that, you know, when that the, in the confines of an album, they, they have their place, but that's just the thing at this point, I'm feeling like, well, crap, I'm cheated. I already heard the, the, the big bangers off this thing. So now this album right. doesn't have the same feel it would, if I just listened to it start to finish and said, holy shit, that's a good album. I think, yeah. I th and I think that's tough too. A lot of times, like when, when you really like a band, it's hard to you know, I know for me, like, I really like the new Dreamwell record. I was a big fan of the songs that they put out prior to it coming out. So I did listen to those. And I actually think that in the context of, of the album, they're even better. Oh, well, that's good. So standalone? Yeah, they stand alone just fine. Could they just be thrown on like an A, B side single? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, sure. But as far as how they fit into the context of the record, it, it actually, I think, makes the songs better. And I agree with you on that. And, and I, I'm, I'm guilty of listening to the stuff ahead of time. And it doesn't generally necessarily let me down with a record. But what it does is it, it, it does build the anticipation. But where I get let down is how it fits into the context of the album. Yes. Because the exactly. song might be fantastic, but then the way it fits onto the actual record itself sometimes feels like, I don't even want to say stale, but it feels like sometimes the lead in track or the track after it is either better and takes away all the momentum of that track that you, you know, that you really liked, or it's just not quite up to the standard of that track. And it yeah. kind of, you're let down going in or on the, on the opposite side of that is you hear that track in the context and you're like, okay, there's two really great bangers, right? One <laughs> after the other. And then that third track is just like a total letdown. And you're like, ah, oh, this was not what I was anticipating. So yeah, I, I don't say that I don't do that because I definitely do. Mm -hmm. I definitely check out new stuff as soon as it's, you know, if I see it, I'm like, oh, and that dream was one that I was, which if you haven't heard it, really, really good. I yeah, haven't definitely. I'll, I'll look at really... you. Know, you know, I'll check it out. Uh, I think yeah, the sure. last, I, I don't know. 
I'm not going to name check them because this is a band that you and I have, we, we don't like this band listeners. We do not like them, <laughs> but I think, you know what I'm referring to the, and that's I the do. last, that's the last song. And I don't really even want to say the, what led me to listen to it. Cause it could give away who it is. I don't, you know, I don't sure. want to piss anyone off, but that's the last time sure. I listened to something where I was like, huh, let's, let's take a look at this. And I know we, you know, we were both disappointed in that. I know that's not always how it is. I mean, and in that case too, it was that there was, I think for you and I, there was a lot of anticipation for this. Yes. So to hear that particular track and then be like, wow, this is rough. You know, it was just, it was not, it was not just a letdown. I think it was just a complete shock to the system in a lot of ways too. And it's not even like you go to the pizza place and you order a Neapolitan and they bring you like a deep dish. This is like you go to the pizza place and you order a Neapolitan pizza. Bring you and a hot they, dog. Yeah, they bring you a roller dog from the friggin' 7-Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, yeah. And if so someone deciphers, go. by the way, what band this is, they're going to be like, man, did you hear Matt and Ron? They were fucking ripping on... Blah, like. <laughs> I think I mean good, it's I don't I don't even think it's the it, we're not ripping on anything uh, as much as it, it's just it a, just uh, didn't yeah it totally it just jive. It, yeah it did not jive I will uh, admit that <laughs> now here's something this isn't totally a sidebar we you know we're gonna get back to everything in line with what we're talking about one plea that I would like to make is to bands that write short songs if your album is only nine songs. And the longest song on your album is two something minutes. Maybe don't put out three songs before that fucking album drops. This is a <laughs> this is a deeply held opinion of mine. If your songs are short, why the fuck would you dick over your full length like that? And I there is one band who I like, by the way, who is fucking notorious for this shit. And it's just. I don't get it. And it's back to promotion. But this band is a sure. big band. This is not some I, small and not and that's not putting down closer. But if you're going to compare uh, the band that I'm talking very sort of openly about and not naming them to closer, this, you know, this band has been put out on like very large underground labels, you know, owned. I'm, I'm trying to allude I don't want to give too many things, but someone from a very popular metalcore band may or may not own a label who has put out their shit. Um, (laughs) And it's just, it's painful to me. And I've seen other bands do it. And I, I, I don't know. I just wanted to quickly vent about that and say, you know what? You know, if you know your songs are short, the one to two is fine. You don't need to go four if your album is 10 songs, but they're all two minutes. That's just, that's quick Matt rant break. <laughs> I think I think in regards to that, I think a lot of the bands, particularly because of things like Bandcamp Friday, feel like it gives them an edge to having something out there that's going to build the hype and you're going to get a bunch of people like in the case that we were talking about where we jump at it, we're like, oh, this is going to... And then then the fallout can happen. I would say it doesn't happen as frequently as maybe you you think it does. Um, But I definitely can see... Maybe it's I can only definitely been see the, the point few bands that I maybe I've just lucked out, quote unquote, and just a few <laughs> bands that I've like really liked. 
have done this and i i'm just scratching my fucking head over here i also when wonder, the album comes you know, out i'm like er? how much pressure there is from a you know i don't want to say a label because a lot of well, them it's not like yeah. a, a regular label but you wonder how much of it is that maybe there's a a label involved who's saying hey you know what we need to kind of build some type of steam for this album to come out so let's release you know at least two tracks yeah and I, yeah i understand exactly where you're coming from and by the way the closer record is is fantastic so good and can't talk yeah. up enough about that record yeah. yesterday really, really. I, I listened to it a bunch of times yeah. i also listened to the new really from so if anyone wants to go oh matt's only a scrams hat boy or whatever uh, the really from album on top shelf records is a great record and go listen to it if you're into indie interesting stuff with trumpet there you go but yeah the new the new closer record is fucking great and i don't know i'm personally glad i didn't listen to those tracks before like i had seen like them post on instagram oh the, here, check out our track you know so i knew the names but then when i heard them i was like holy shit i'm glad i didn't listen to this like however many months ago new new refused is a killer new refused I, is definitely a killer track i don't even know if i know the the names of anything to be honest because i've just put it on but you know get let's let's get back to i, I want to loop it back around and freaking charles bronson <laughs> youth yes. attacks coming yes. out release fucking <laughs> release 10 of the songs before the album came out everyone would be pissed because they're short songs the thing i like about the charles uh bronson the charles bronson that's an old man thing <laughs> i like bronson. about this album is i don't know the genre super well right and i don't know and maybe you probably know because from where we've gone with this conversation you know this was not just them but finding them on uh, that certain audio galaxy user in that certain folder sure. checking out all the stuff it, it opened up you know a lot of things for you yeah. But in line with that, this album, you know, we're talking 40 second songs. I feel like a lot can happen in the time span of a song. Um, and I know we yeah. mentioned previously that there are parts that are kind of, I don't want to say typical, but there are parts that sound more, you know, hardcore-y. That sounds stupid, but, you know, uh, Youth Attack is the one where I think right at the, the beginning riff of that, it's like, okay, I know what I'm getting into. And then immediately it's like, no, uh-uh, no, you don't. But, I mean, and there's tracks, there's tracks like Dumb Fucks, where at the beginning it's like this little bit of a guitar and then it's chaos. And then it kind of goes back to that same kind of guitar riff yeah. again. It has and, that kind of like slow kind of, if I'm remembering yeah, the song that's, correctly, that's, right. AM, that's, right. that's uh, fucking tight. I made a note of that. <laughs> My notes on the tracks yeah. on this album are fucking stupid people. But where, where I guess where I was going, and I, I deviated somewhere mid-sentence, was for me, not being, like, being familiar of power violence, 
I don't know where Charles Bronson really lies in the chronology of things. I mean, were they an early adopter? Were they sort of like second gen? Where where were yeah, they? Yeah, I that? mean, I mean, that's that's something that I that I find hard to to pinpoint because it, it's the same way with with like uh, screamo and post hardcore and emo and all that. I don't pay attention yeah. to that stuff, truthfully. I mean, if I had to label it, there were definitely bands that were out before them mm-hmm. that would have had that label. I mean, Infest being probably the most notable. I mean, most notable to me. Let's put yeah, it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I would say, yeah, I guess they were probably like second generation, if you will. But I, I just don't know that I like that in response to it either. I mean, I think that I, I, because just because it was second generation to someone doesn't mean that it wasn't the first thing someone heard, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what's difficult from a standpoint of an individual who listens to a ton of different kind of music. And we've talked about the fact that just because you hear one record from a band, that doesn't mean that that's going to be the record that you, that you automatically exactly. love. Like the first record exactly. isn't always the one that you're just like, this is so great. Sometimes you hear the record and you like it and you like the band, but then it's the second or third record that you mm-hmm. hear. And that could have been the first record that they put out that you end up incredibly attached to. Yeah. So, you know, even within, within like genre, if you will, I think when you get into the idea of like waves and, you know, or, you know, it's the, the third generation, like, I don't know that that's necessarily important mm-hmm. in, in the scheme of things, because I think that there's bands who play certain styles of music now that if, they were around at that time would have had the same response as a lot of the bands in that time frame. I think the major difference now is they have the internet on their side. So they have the ability to gain a bigger following, a bigger audience. You have all the social media outlets that are able to give them the opportunity to put out everything. I mean, you have a a site like Bandcamp that essentially, I mean, you could go home right now, fart on a snare drum, record it and put it up on Bandcamp. (laughs) And if people pay for it, it's out there. So, I mean, you can do basically anything that you want. And so for me, that's not as important as the weight that it held for me in in a personal light. So, you know, for, for me, that was never something. And so I'm not a historian on really on any kind of music when it comes to that. I like the things that I liked and I've heard a ton of different things just simply because I've listened. But ultimately I would say from, from this perspective, if I had to guess, I'd say second generation. That's it's a roundest about way to get there, but yeah, if I had to say. So, I mean, I'm going to throw this out there. I was sort of getting to this point earlier, but um, as listeners may find, if you follow at least us, these sidebars tend to happen. But one thing I'm going to say in regards to this album that I think is important is, and it's not listener error. I don't really know what you would call it, but it would be listener receptiveness, which is not catchy at like listener error might be. I wonder when you heard this, do you ever think about, you know, if you would heard it a month prior or at some point later, if it wouldn't have affected you I or had that impact or that immediate grab I I just know my I myself I'm not afraid to really admit this I was into a lot of indie stuff and going back to audio galaxy which was my jam my preferred method of being a pirate I'm looking up pavement and this is back in the day and pavement's my jam and audio galaxy would have suggestions and for the most part 
even if it wasn't right on par, oh, you like Unwound? You might like Indian Summer. Now, I would never fucking say that nowadays, but uh, young Matt was like, oh, wait, I do like Indian Summer. But I remember explicitly, I was up late at night. I was downloading Pavement stuff, and it had said, if you like Pavement, you might like this band Slint. And I was like, oh, okay, let's let's fucking see what this is, uh, what this is about. Now, I had never heard any of the baser, if you want to call it the math rock sort of trinity of, you know, Slint, Chavez, Polvo. I'd never heard that. I didn't know about math rock. I didn't know about Slint. And Audio Galaxy was usually pretty okay, but I would not make that comparison, like now looking back. But I remember listening to Slint, and I'm trying to think what the first song I heard from them was. I think it was prob what what is it breadcrumb trail like the lead-in on on the album and I remember thinking the music was cool but I'm like oh this guy's just talking this whole song (laughs) I was like what the fuck is this and turned it off and what's weird is I love slint now I got into them after that point in time so to sort of like bring it back around I wasn't in the headspace for whatever reason at that point in my life to be receptive to that where I don't know, a year, maybe two years later, I hear them. I I don't even know if I remembered listening to them that that late night on the computer, you know, the few seconds of the song. So so I wonder, do you ever think about that? Were you in, you know, if you can even remember that far back, were you in <laughs> sort of a, uh, a receptive state where, you know, the normal, and I'm, once again, I'm not putting down anyone who just likes sort of bass hardcore stuff, but I do know there are people they they find that and that's all they like. But then there are people like yourself, I would say like myself too, where we hear that bass thing, but we are maybe more receptive to the offshoot genres. And I just wonder right. if you ever um, think if you had heard that earlier, if it would have been something that you're like, like your classmate or whatever, where you're like, yeah, this is not good. <laughs> um, I think, <laughs> I think in terms of this particular record, I think that I could have found this at any age and probably enjoyed it. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that it, that opening of the album with the kind of jokiness that's involved yeah. at the very beginning really drew me in. So I can definitely see 13 year old me liking it as much as, you know, 20 year old me as much as now 40 year old me. <laughs> and I think, I think for me, it was that I was always receptive to new stuff. So it's one of the reasons that whenever I had people at work, bring me something, I was one of the few people who really did listen to it. Mm-hmm. I even had customers who would like make suggestions uh, which is how I ended up finding Modest Mouse. Oh, really? Funny, as well as Fugazi. Oh, interesting. Through an individual who came into the store. Yeah. So, I mean, what was different about this was it was like kind of the first thing that I tapped into on my own and didn't have hand fed to me. Yeah. So the- with that being the case, that was kind of a game changer for this record. And maybe why I hold it so in such high regard is that like, I didn't have somebody go, here you go, baby, open the yeah. mouth. Here comes the airplane. I think you know, those like, I... um, situations where you find something sort of like completely outside of, you know, friend suggestions or anything, you're just like, I'm going to check this out. And it hits in a certain way. Those are like super important releases. 
Yeah. And well, in, in this case too, I think it was that it was just not anything like what I'd been listening to. I shouldn't say not anything like, but it wasn't, it wasn't what I had been really listening to at the time. And it was also, it had elements of everything I liked. You know, it had elements of yeah. hardcore, it had elements of like kind of thrashy punk. Yeah. It had elements of kind of even thrash like metal. metal. Yeah, no one, exactly. yeah, no one wants to, you know, people want to act like thrash punk and thrash metal are so like disconnected, but it's like they have They're the not. thrash people. There is a sort of connection and there. I, Hello. <laughs> and I, and I, you know, admittedly still love Slayer. So, you know, I mean, there's things within those, within those realms that I still really, really like. So it was just, it captured a lot of things that I liked in one spot. So for me, it was initially the listen was very personal in the sense that like it felt like it was my record because nobody I knew heard it. Nobody knew who they were. And so then introducing it to other people who then hated it, it was kind of like, huh, I don't know why they don't get this. Mm -hmm. I was almost baffled by it in the sense because I'm like, well, they like this. I don't understand why they don't like this. But I think then later on, uh, a friend of mine, Aaron, who he and I were extremely close and really, really both loved like hardcore we both loved converge and like darkest hour but he was definitely more um in the vein of of like maybe metalcore and maybe more straightforward okay. hardcore and i was kind of always on the fringes you know i remember he went to a store and brought me home transistor transistors first like self-titled oh, wow. on uh, on yeah on cd at um at a store and because it was just because it was level playing so he knew oh, okay, it was level yeah. playing. He knew I, I listened to stuff on that label. So he brought it to me. So like, you know, but we had a, a really good understanding of each other. Like we didn't always love the same things. I mean, mm-hmm. we loved Cursed, you know, we loved American Nightmare, but then there wasn't much crossover other than that. Like he was really into like, and not that I disliked them, but you know, like he was really into bands like Ringworm and stuff like that that oh, I just okay. didn't get into. Yeah, I never and got into so, Ringworm. So I, so again, like for me, it was like, it was okay that they didn't like it. I was just surprised because, and I was always surprised when I would bring something to somebody else that felt like it would be in that, that, that realm, but there are very specific like niches. And I, and I learned, you know, as time went on, I have the same thing. So it's not like, it's just them. I've had so many people bring me stuff and go, Hey, check this out. You're going to love it. And then I listen to it and, you know, I have to be like, yeah, it was you know it was good right <laughs> it was well, it was good no i mean I, i'm pretty honest about it i try not to to sugarcoat it i i try to find the positives in things that i'm listening to even when That's i don't good don't you know, particularly you're, you're love a better it. man than me in that aspect <laughs> i mean i can uh, let me put it this way a lot of times i understand why somebody might suggest something for me yeah and so i don't I've i don't take there. it as a personal offense it's interesting when that happens, like when you're listening to an album or band that someone's like suggested, hey, I think you'll like this because of blah. And I always find it interesting because I will listen to it when you find the why they thought you'd like it. Because I always feel sure. like those albums will have that moment where you're like, okay, this is why they thought I'd like it, which sounds so negative. Right. I don't think... I, I don't know. I don't know. Do you consider yourself picky when it comes to, to music? Uh, yeah, definitely. Okay. I mean, I, I would say what I, what I try to be is more generous than I would be if it was a normal part of my life. So what I mean mm-hmm. by that is when it comes to music, I don't play 
I have no talent. Well, yeah. All well, I, I do don't is want to say I got no talent. I've, I've, I've seen the uh, – I think what you do, not to blow you up, but I think what you do with your uh, labels releases – I mean, you put a lot of time and effort into a lot of those tapes, and they look straight up pretty. So, I mean – Thanks. I appreciate that. Now, I, I think it's it's more or less the idea that I, I try to be generous with when I'm listening in the sense that I don't always just knock it after a first listen. I do always listen at least like two to three times to everything before I'm totally going to write it off. And in particular, I maybe even give it a little bit a harder listen when somebody suggests it to me. That's um, my problem. Simply, I think simply I because I'm like, all right. I'm going to give this a harder listen because they obviously think that this is something I'm going to love. And one of the things that I like about talking to you about music, one of the things I like about talking to how about music is that I don't have to be like a hundred percent on guard where a lot of other places I feel like, okay, I don't want to say something that's, that's going to upset this person who felt like they brought me something that I was just going to absolutely be crazy about. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's easy to talk to individuals who kind of are in the same boat. And we always, I feel like we always give, you know, the, the feedback that we sincerely feel toward the album or the artist or whatever. And I'm okay with that. So when it comes to, to me getting suggestions and listening, I'm always open to the idea of, of being generous with the listen. So mm -hmm. I try my best to listen super hard, figure out what they thought I might like about it. And then whenever I give the feedback, when they're like, oh, so what'd you think of this? I try not to be harsh about it. I try to find either the positive, unless it's somebody that I know I can flat out just be like, no, you know, yeah. honestly, this, I appreciate that you thought that I would enjoy this, but this part <laughs> wasn't like something that I really loved. There probably are people where you can, uh, you being just a general person, by the way, can suggest stuff to them and you might be right on the money. I mean, like we were talking sure. about earlier, I mean, there's people who listen to Minor Threat and Black Flag and then only really listen to stuff sort of in direct lineage, not, you know, members of, but hey, off, right? You know, they could listen off. But you right. know what I mean? Where they're just kind of listening to just newer bands kind of doing the same thing. They might put a new shimmer or something to it, but it's it's basically the same thing. And I, I, I think they're, I don't want to say the mass majority of people fall into that, but I, I do think a lot of people find their very sort of not niched, but you know, these, these things that they like, and it is safe for people normally to go, Hey, I think you'll like this. Like maybe sure. us not being like that. We may be on the flip side of that where our recommendations, like I would not, I probably wouldn't recommend anything to you ever. Um, <laughs> just you oh, know I will. I will definitely oh, well you already you did earlier and i can't remember what it was but i will i'll ask you to text me and i'll check it out i mean but i mean it was, maybe it was dream well dream well yes. i'm gonna this is what i'm gonna do listeners i'm gonna get right on my band camp because this is the <laughs> technology era where we can just like do shit on the fly and i'll show you how not good i am at multitasking and talking and stuff but yeah i guess what i was saying is Maybe if you're a more receptive individual or your musical taste is more varied, maybe you are more apt or able to suggest things to other people who maybe 
you know, are the kinds of people who they have their thing. Oh, I just listened to emo that basically sounds like people trying to be promised ring, but in 2021, you know what I mean? Well, oh, cool. Check out this band. Oh shit. I really fucking like that band. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean, I definitely, I definitely understand what you're saying. <laughs> Is Dreamwell from, uh, oh, I friggin' put this on the other day. I remember the cover of this. It's very pretty and it's in my wish list, but I add so much stuff to my damn wish list on Bandcamp. And then I'm like, wait, what haven't I listened to yet? I think we've talked so about funny. that. Like we add just like boatloads of stuff there. Sure, um, for sure. So That's how you come back to it. Yeah. So, I mean, getting, trying to get back on topic. I'm so sorry to the, no, I think we've done all right. I'll <laughs> ask you, there's a, you know, clearly we've talked about it. There's like 20 songs on this album. They're all very short. Would you... Sure ever pick out a favorite song do you have favorite songs or is it more like because at a little over 12 minutes i mean is it more just this is a complete work and you don't have favorite I mean, songs or uh, okay so in all honesty it's definitely a complete work i think if you're going to sit and listen to it you listen yeah. to it from cover to cover i don't think if if you can't sit still for 12 and a half minutes <laughs> you got problems and listen to it then you know it's probably not the best for you to uh, <laughs> i was gonna say if to you attempt. had your if you had your raisin brand for breakfast you could put this right. on and go into the bathroom and it'll be over maybe before you're done i don't know how the brand hits you but it could happen sure. i mean <laughs> sure sure but as far as favorite tracks yeah i mean there's tracks that i really like i Let's mean get you know, into youth, them. Attack, youth attack is is definitely a favorite um again a lot of it is that i kind of like that it's got a little bit of a fake out vibe too oh yeah that you know it's got it's got people like going oh it's gonna be like a, a prototypical hardcore song and then they just don't do that um so i love that uh dumb fucks of course is another one that i really really like uh and as far as like a third track that that really fits in for me is deaf and dumb i really like that track as well but in all honesty, when I listen to it, I don't listen to tracks. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's pretty standard for me in general. Like it's, it's pretty standard for me to listen to an album. That doesn't mean that I won't maybe listen to a song on an album now and again, like I'm in a mood where I'm like, okay, I just want to listen to uh, you know, Bull in the Heather by Sonic Youth. Great song. Um, so it I is. I gotta great. say, I almost, I, I don't own that album and I almost bought it last night, but that's Ex a whole Experimental Jet Set Trash and No Star. Yeah. I my wife own... bought me that album oh really see that's mm -hmm. that's awesome yeah so i have that one i know that no. now are they your favorite not to offset real quick but they're they're they your all-time fave band would you say sonic you they're up there i don't know if i could classify anybody other than i mean if i was if i was being honest and i had to pick like pin down one thing it would be very tough for me to not say like Leonard Cohen is something that I am most oh yeah you've definitely mentioned interested him, in <laughs> yeah I've mentioned that on everything um but <laughs> that's probably multiple times I've mentioned it but um yeah oh, I mean as he? far as yeah, <laughs> joking. Yeah. joking yeah no, I go well let's talk about no I I think they're definitely they're definitely in my top five for sure um I mean I don't there's not particularly any records that i think that they did were bad i like a lot of their stuff and i felt like i, I mean if you're going to talk about sonic youth i felt like they really just were a band that kicked the door down for other bands to run through they did all the hard work 
Dude, and everybody I mean, else was like, fuck that's, yeah, and ran That's in, true, you know? though. Like, I mean, there's some bands I would say were um, doing it alongside them, but there are definite bands that, like, no offense, the VHS tape, and it's it, maybe it's on Blu-ray now? I highly doubt it. 1991, the, the year punk the year broke. The year punk broke. Is, yeah. That is the definition of them doing that. That is Nirvana. Sure opening for yep. Sonic Youth on, what, a European tour, and then just randomly fucking Nevermind blows up. But how do you think Nevermind fucking got there? Because fucking Sonic Youth, dude. I'm, I'm and I sorry. think also, I also think that what made them majorly different from a lot of the contemporaries was that, I mean, okay, so for example, the Pixies, who I like as well. The Pixies had a very formulaic sound, though, in a lot of senses. It was a lot of loud, quiet, loud, or quiet, loud, quiet. You know, like there was a lot of the same. The difference with Sonic Youth was there were these like art rock movements within their oh, yeah. their albums that were just like, it would just be like, you'd listen to a song that was like cool thing. And then you'd have a song that was either previous to it or after it that was maybe a track or two. And it would be inc- incredibly different and out there and really artistic. And I think I've come to learn since Sonic Youth broke up that that is all Kim Gordon and because Thurston's stuff on his own, while I don't dislike it at all, I definitely prefer hers and it's, you know, some of it's pretty out there, but it is definitely interesting to find out that she might have been the backbone of that experimentation in that band. Interesting. See, I always, maybe I just made assumptions, but I didn't, I didn't have any reason to assume anything. I just always, for whatever reason, I was like, I bet you it's Lee. I, I, I had no reason why. I was like, <laughs> I bet you it's Lee. I, I, I don't know why. I always liked his, um, I'm, this isn't about Charles Bronson people. <laughs> you know, initially, you know, you got Sonic Youth coming out of the New York No Wave movement, which if you know it, right. if you don't know about it, you should go look into it. It's pretty fucking interesting. Um, James and, Chance and the Contortionist. Oh, my God. Um, who's the other one? Glenn uh, Branca? Blanca, I'm probably mispronouncing the last name, but he was the one who would do like the um, these weird symphonies that were all like designed for 100 detuned guitars or guitars where like every string was tuned to like a fucking A or something. But you know, as um as Sonic Youth albums went on, I always felt like there were you could always tell like the few tracks that Lee wrote. I know that sounds like, cause I'm not, I'm not saying that everything was written separately, but you know, the one, I always assume the ones he sang, you know, those were kind of his and I don't know why just, um, but I could definitely see Kim being, she's out of all the vocalists in the band. She's the most experimental with just how she sings. So it, it wouldn't be like, a, you know, a far assumption to be like, it's, yeah, she actually is the experimental element of that band or we know in those elements. Well, I know that you haven't heard Body Head. No, because we've I've heard had this the Body, so but yes. I haven't heard Body Head, which is her like band after Sonic Youth. And so my suggestion is, if you have the opportunity, just which I put do. it on. I guarantee it's on Spotify. Just put it on Spotify and listen to it, and you'll definitely go, "Oh yeah, I, I can totally hear where <laughs> Sonic Youth got this vibe from." It's I'm down. Definitely her. I've got the um, time in that regard. Uh, and if you haven't read her book, really good book. I have not. So that's that's a two front that I'm dropping the ball. But the good thing is also, uh, you can always pick the ball back up, people. When it comes yes. to music, you can always jump in. And much like this album, I mean, 
jumping right in to power violence. Whoever yes. would have thunk. I'm sure there are other people out here in the world who have also done that. Maybe there's people who their first exposure to hardcore was power violence, you know, but I always, I, I will say this. I always find it very interesting the people who had the introduction to the the sort of baser. I keep saying baser. I feel like someone's going to be like, yo, fuck you, man, <laughs> um, and come at me. I'm just saying, but like, you know, more introduct. I don't want to call them fucking introductory, but the baser styles of hardcore and then right. finding the offshoots, it's always interesting. And I feel actually really stoked to have heard like the whole story kind of because it, it makes sense real i mean really it does i mean if you're listening to slayer at a young age with how they're you know i'm i'm picking back and forth doing air guitar but you can't see it because it's recording i mean i i could see that then um you know definitely affecting your ability to enjoy something like this album which i gotta sure. throw out there did you think by throwing this out there at me that it would off put me in any way or um maybe not off no. put catch me off guard no not at all i mean the reason the reason honestly the reason that i picked it was because it's just kind of like the beginning stages of my eyes opening to something completely different yeah. right so for me it was like it was like me in my hardcore infancy <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like seeing color the first time. So it was just, it, it was more or less that. I mean, I had other things that I had chosen, but I felt like anybody who has kind of followed, you know, the label on Instagram and has watched any of, you know, my Chris Farley show-esque chats <laughs> understands that I love, I love Screamo, if you will. Um, as as a genre, I love a lot of those bands. There's a ton of things that I could have went with, uh, you know, Portrait, Spirit of Versailles, You and I, Saturday's Cab Ride Home. I mean, there's a million things that I could have picked. Brainworms. Um, oh, I mean, fucking, let's get into print. Well, that's another. That'll be another show. That's but a whole. Fuck that's a yes. whole other. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But maybe that's so, what I, it is too. Is that fuck yes? Is that most of the stuff you just mentioned that I I have heard of heard you know like and and i think that that would have been kind of the expectation let's say i, I mean i felt like i could have very easily picked something that's come out even in the last two years and uh you know and been okay with it but i think what i was looking at was not just how it would necessarily affect you and your listening because that didn't actually wholly enter into it i mean it did in the sense that you had mentioned you hadn't heard them yeah. But ultimately, what made me choose it was the fact that I just listened to it a lot. And it, it, I can listen to it a lot because it's only 12 and a half minutes long. Yeah, you know, cool. you can have a, a three mile drive to work and you've heard the entire album. And so that's yeah, the whole right. thing. It's just it's just a very short, punchy, aggressive, chaotic, you know, catharsis for me. And it, it meant something to me when I was young and it means something to me now. And I just feel like while a lot of the bands from that era probably still, I mean, people know of Charles Bronson. I, I don't think it's the them. most, right. I don't think it's the most um, unique pick in that regard. I definitely don't think that there are going to be some people who listen to this and they don't know who they are or haven't heard this record and don't have enough, you know, they may have a, an opinion that's completely different 
than what I do. But I think what really stood out to me was how it was kind of the antithesis of what most hardcore that I had been exposed to at that point was. The seriousness, the the kind of attitude, I felt like that was just not in this. And that was yeah. what I what I loved about it. I also loved that the song titles were ridiculous. Oh yeah. I'm a I'm I'm a big down, fan of that. I wrote down some of my faves actually because I did have songs on here that please. I genuinely oh, dug. So I just put a li- I actually have quite a few tracks. So obviously we've already talked about Youth Attack. Um yeah, great. which had which I my note was most immediate hardcore vibes. Good one, Matt, you fucking idiot. <laughs> track four x dumb fucks x yeah um, dumb fucks and i i want to put my note on the, all these notes are very bad sick kind of slow part was my note on that one man these are these are great track eight which i put asterisks next to so this must be my favorite pre i'm mature retirement yes um yes. which i noted on this one and slowdown part yes now by the way it's pre immature retired uh, okay that makes a lot more sense everyone me sorry but Track- no, no the way they have it written <laughs> okay so i i read it how okay that makes sense because <laughs> i was like wait a minute um i just i just wrote out the track names i also put fuck technology i'll keep my pocket change mm-hmm. now this one is not a bad song but the fucking clip is from fucking red dawn so i'm gonna ask you ron did you know that have you seen Red Dawn? <laughs> okay, I am going to answer that with, I did not know where the clips were from from any of this, other than I think it's pretty clear X-Files. that the calling of the, uh, well, yeah, but also the the calling of the record store is fairly clearly one of the band members. Well, yeah, that, well, that's what I assumed. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know, but. <laughs> so as far as that, no, I have not. I have not. Yeah, so there's an X-Files reference and Red Dawn is yes. where they're saying, oh, beautiful for, um, I want to know what the actual intro, I'm sure I could look it up and I didn't. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. I'm not a researcher. I will say this, the last track on this record, which is the Tears of a Clone, has a fucking, I just put catchy riff. It is a catchy riff. It is. Which also is kind of a more hardcore riff Um, the song in itself, I mean, once you get to that point on the album, which why wouldn't you listen to this album, person listening to this podcast? It's fucking 12 minutes long and it's worth it, especially if you've never heard of a genre. I'm not saying as someone who, I mean, you have mentioned you've listened to Infest and you've listened to Rorschach and a lot of the other bands who spaz, who are mentioned in reference to them who were around at the same time. So you obviously have a respect for the genre and understanding for the genre that myself doesn't, you know, I don't have. And someone, you know, listening might not have. I think 
this album is as good as any to jump in for what my understanding of power violence was as a genre and to hear it and go, okay, yeah, like not like this is what I was expecting, but I think it's a good. And one thing I do like about it that you've mentioned is I don't want to say that there is a lack of uh, seriousness but it almost right. like, dude, don't even fucking like beat me up for this. But like, people are going to beat me up for this. But like, old school, like early Beastie Boys, not post hardcore Beastie Boys, early rap Beastie Boys, where there's like a funness to it and like a, this isn't serious right. sort of thing. Like, I could see that on the skits well, and the sound, you yeah. know, the sound clips and stuff. Um, I, I don't know the lyrics, obviously, because they're over by, by the time I'm trying to look into them. But yeah, that that was sort of uh, a takeaway from it. Also, that one lead in guitar sounds like the fucking lead in guitar to fight for your right to party. I swear to God. And I can't remember what track. The one that's like. Ch-gurr. don't know what track it is we'll figure it out later probably but maybe that also i was like there's some these guys are i think it's i think it's (laughs) it's interesting when people get the idea of of it having to be serious yeah you know like don't get me wrong i like records that have a serious tone and nature to them and there's plenty of them that i that i really like but i think that it's okay to to also be able to have a bit of fun even at your own expense sometimes on on uh, you know when they call the record store mm-hmm. and, and he asks for the charles bronson and he's like who i think when he asked for so, the other band i can't remember what the yeah, other band one is. life one life crew. and the guy's like yeah and he's like uh. Uh, <laughs> he just came in his fucking yeah. pants or something yeah <laughs> so funny yeah i mean i think i think that's the whole the whole nature of it was that you know it was the first time I had heard it where it wasn't serious. It was the first time that I had heard it where it was so chaotic. And I also think that it, it again, it does appeal to the thrash metal. It does appeal to the thrash kind of skate punk bands that, that, that play. But it also fits in with hardcore. It fits in, I mean, it fits in with Screamo for sure. It fits into like yeah. a lot of different kind of boxes. Now, I wouldn't say that somebody whose favorite band is, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like whatever popular indie band is out today. Yeah, I don't even know. You know, Lady Antebellum or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think they changed their name. I mean, whatever. I mean, whatever their, you know, I'm the up vibe. On their, of uh, I'm up on their news. <laughs> no, but I, I, I get what you mean. I, I mean, I you're not going to like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to be your vibe. It's definitely not going to be, you know, a casual, hardcore listener's vibe. Like if you dabble and like fucked up and ceremony are the only things you know as far as hardcore probably not going to fit in in your wheelhouse but i definitely think that there is you know for me personally there is a place where this opened up so many doors and the ability to know that like mark mccoy went on to be in so many other great bands on top of this 
is also amazing to me. So, you know, I, I don't want to sit and say, I think everybody has to go out and rush out and try and find this to listen to it. Yeah. But what I will say is if you're a fan of hardcore, if you're a fan of thrash, screamo, I mean, if you're a fan of grind, any of that stuff, give it a listen because it could be something that you end up really, really enjoying. I agree. And I will sort of throw it back to like that idea of, you know, you being on Audio Galaxy, you find, I mean, you are searching this out, but you find a folder and the folder has all this other stuff. And because this affected you how it did, you're now like, well, man, what else is in here? And then you just happen to find a bunch of other stuff you liked. I, I think this is definitely one of those releases where for some people, it might not be an easy thing. And you might go, you know what, I'll never listen to that again. But I think for other people, this could be something where maybe if you are sort of skirting the sort of um, subgenres of hardcore things, and you've just never heard it, it might, it might be that sort of spark where kind of like how it was for you, you know, where it's like, whoa, this is out there. And then boom, you're down the rabbit hole, you're finding different stuff. And that's like, I don't know if that is our goal with this podcast i think we you know i know as far as you and i we've brought records um i brought my record first episode you brought yours this one that we just are important to us and um right we do think people should listen to and i think you know just moving ahead as we have more episodes we have more guests i think there's a really good opportunity to not just hear music and genres and things you might not have been familiar with but to hear like the personal stories of people and how things affect them because one thing that I've always had a problem with and I wished there was some sort of workaround was you can't feel what someone else feels when they hear something I've often wished there was some kind of helmet you someone could put on and you could put on. And when that moment happens for them, that just does it for them. It transfers into your brain and you have some sort of, oh, I can understand. Now I like, I don't know. I, I'm not putting down Jay-Z. I just don't listen to him. Oh, now I know why you like that one part of that Jay-Z song, because it reminds me of this one part in this Dietro song. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's such a well, weird thing, I, but yeah. I think people's personal relationships with albums kind of gives away a little bit about their personality too. Yeah. You know, I mean, I definitely think that (laughs) there's definitely a lot of personality on a record like this one. I felt like, you know, your record, the plan has a lot of personality. Um, Obviously next week we're going to be interviewing Craig from Lesnar who picked archers of loaf, icky metal, which is another major personality record. So uh, you know, I think that's what, what, when I started like kind of thinking about the idea of doing something like this, that was what I was hoping to achieve was to bring somebody's personality out in what they like, give them an opportunity to explain why they like it, how they came about it, you know, what led them down that path. And then you can kind of look and see like, okay, well, how does this kind of get them to where they're at? Yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's what the circumstances were for me, as well as to hopefully get people to be exposed to some new music, as well as some, you know, artists they may have never heard, and, you know, the possibility of hearing these artists as well. So, you know, it's, it's more or less just an idea of allowing people to express their 
ideas of what it is and maybe give you a little bit of a hint as to who they are as a person. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, as I've mentioned, and it was mentioned, you know, in the, the previous episode as well, you know, we've been friends, you know, a year, maybe a little over a year. And in that short span of time, I knew you liked fast stuff. I just knew it. I, I, sure. I don't know if it came up in conversation. And so for me, maybe more so than, I don't want to say any listener, but for me, it was nice to hear this record. I will say I maybe assumed you might bring something fast for the album and was intrigued because I don't have, you know, a lot of experience with this genre of music, but I was, I was very happy and it's been awesome. Like talking to you, you know, hearing basically the story of how you found this clearly, I mean, it's still affecting you. Your, your label is still putting out bands who you could say, you know, I mean, I don't know if any of them are directly influenced, but they definitely play music within the lineage of Charles Bronson. So sure. there's it's, definitely it's, some that are in that vein. Yeah, for sure. So it's awesome to hear like, yeah, I heard this, I heard this record, you know, this is how it's affected me. This is how it's like, kind of changed my life so thank you know thank you for sharing your story you know with me I mean to wrap it up I guess the most important question I have is did listening to Charles Bronson ever lead you to watch (laughs) Charles Bronson's movies it did not (laughs) had you ever seen I had seen I had seen Death Wish okay I think now when I saw Death Wish I was probably 15 so I was probably five years removed from seeing Death Wish whenever I heard this initially and I would now be you know like roughly 25 years removed (laughs) so yes I know it did not it did not however I have a couple t-shirts and I have a back patch on a jacket of Charles Bronson's oh that's cool now I wonder. I mean, this this is um you know obviously one of your favorite albums. I'm wondering. I know you you would mention previously. I'm not a genre historian, but I'm wondering if you know. What? Did Charles Bronson ever know? I mean, I don't know when he died. Did he ever? Was he alive when this band existed? <laughs> like, I'm interested. Did I, he uh, ever know? <laughs> I believe he was. I believe he's still alive. <laughs> I'm gonna look that up. Like, did Charles band. Bronson know there was a brutal? like thrash core band named after him he'd probably yeah. be like i like it a lot i always when i think of charles bronson to be honest i think of that one simpsons skit um the actor charles bronson not the band but um that's a whole nother topic i don't want to go down that rabbit hole so <laughs> to bring it back to actually be serious you know that that was a dumb question but i did tell you i had one dumb question that there probably were you did some other say ones. there was a a joke a there joke was question. a dumb joke question in there but i felt and like I, and i had assumed it was going to be about the blood brothers but it wasn't i still to to the listeners of this we, maybe we should get like a countdown or something <laughs> to how many how many episodes we record before i actually before listen you listen to them before you listen to crimes <laughs> That'll be, you know what we'll do? We'll do, we'll do all these episodes and then at the end of the year, we'll do the final one, which is like, I listen to that and then it's you and someone else. And then I have to like we'll get, talk about it. We'll get, we'll get how to do it. Oh man. 
I feel like there's people, I will say this, I feel like there's people that listen to this podcast now that are probably just like, why would you even have a co-host who has not heard Blood Brothers? Like, I've heard of them, but it, it's going to change people. Of course. So to wrap it up, I just want to thank you again, Ron. Um, oh, man. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that we were able to do this again. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad to have heard the album. It opened me up. It uh, it showed me some different things. It taught me a, taught me a lot about you. Uh, I know this sounds kind of weird to be like saying this kind of stuff to you, but yeah, just like where you come from, since it was such like seemingly like a seminal album in your sort of music uh, development or whatever, your appreciation of music, I feel like sure. it's really, I don't know, it's just wonderful to talk to you and hear your perspective on it. So I, I can't thank you enough for that. Oh no, man, I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking over and and doing the uh, hosting of this one for I was sure. Nervous. I, 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 yeah. I you're going to be su- doing a few more. Woo, so, I'm, you know. I'm nervous about those. So listeners, hopefully uh, you, you dig it. Um, Cause there will be some where I will be kind of fronting the, uh, I don't want to say interviewing, but the question asking. Um, and then there will be some yeah. that Ron is sort of taking the lead as well. So strap in it's it's going to be fun though and i'm excited uh i'm excited to speak to you know all the guests we have lined up the next one as you mentioned is craig from lesnar and he's going to be speaking about arches of loaf icky metal it's going to be a good one and uh if if you've been listening along very different albums so it's it's very nice week to week to cover just different types of music hear different albums but most importantly hear how these albums affect people and it's just really wonderful and i can't thank you enough for this experience ron thank you oh man absolutely i i appreciate you doing it with me honestly and you know like i said last week you know hopefully we can get a bunch of these and just keep rolling along yeah i'm i'm i totally agree with you there so thank you to everyone who listened to this podcast like we mentioned we'll be back next week and we hope you tune in then 